Hey, expats and travelers, welcome to this week's episode sponsored by WorldPost.io, the virtual mailbox service powered by Anytime Mailbox. We'll get to the features and benefits a little later. If you're interested in becoming an expat, whether you're moving to Portugal or another overseas location, I highly recommend you get your finances in order before you move. Yes, it's actually really important that you do it before you go. I know when we first got started, we did not do it that way. But if we knew John McNertney at Green Ocean Global, we would have gone to him as he's someone that is Lisbon-based and he is experienced with expat financial challenges. So he's a go-to person that we recommend. Right, he can help you with long-term investments, financial systems, and international taxes. And he's actually helped us and producer Dan has used him to explore what it would be like to move abroad and see if it would fit his family's current financial situation. I think what's great about him is that he gives you personalized plans. He will look into your unique situation and he'll help you out. And this is honestly what's super necessary because we get tax questions and finance questions on the YouTube channel and literally no background from the person that's asking us the question. So now we've started to point people to John. Right, because everyone is different and everyone has their own unique situation. So you need an expert to help you out. All right, so visit greenoceanglobal.net for contact information and further assistance. Check out the show notes below. Hello, and welcome, my emerging expat. You're tuned in to Let's Move to Portugal. I'm producer Dan, and I have the distinct honor of bringing you YouTube travelers and our resident Portugal experts, expats everywhere's Josh and Kaylee. Each week, they'll inspire, they'll educate, and they'll accompany you on your journey to Portuguese residency. This week on Let's Move to Portugal, join Josh and Kaylee as they recount their adventures in the historic city of Pamplona. Tune in as they share vivid tales of their time in the town and reveal if it secures a place on their list of potential havens for expats. Stick around. Hey, expats and travelers alike, welcome back. We are on the road again. We have just wrapped up our time in Pamplona, and now we're off to Zaragoza. Is that how we have to say it? Zaragoza. Zaragoza. Yeah, you've got to do the feta <laughs> with the Z's there. Zaragoza. It's Th- got to be both Th- the Z's. Zaragoza. Or we could just say Zaragoza. Zaragoza. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Zaragoza. So we do have a little bit of navigating to do, um, but we should be all right. We just paid like a, a €6.40 cent toll. So we should be good for another five minutes <laughs> yeah. before they hit us up again. For another toll. Man. Yeah, the road's nice, though. All right. Pamplona. Yes. What did you think? It was cute. I mean, it's known for the bulls, right, for that festival that they have for... San Fermin. Yes. Yeah. Um, so they, did, you know, they played that up for sure at the souvenir shops and such. You can see the T-shirts and stuff for that. Yeah. Um, it's a cute... It's a city, right? It's got its, it's old... City. It's old town in the middle, um, and then, you know, colorful buildings, which were, were pretty to see. It still has the, the wall, which is cool, so a little bit of that older architecture, some of the churches and such. Yeah. And then you get outside the old town, and you've got, you know, what feels like normal, normal, uh, everyday, modern architecture. So yeah. it was nice. What would you think? Well, first impressions as we rolled in, I thought, Faru. 
Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Right. I don't know why it was like it was. Well, I know why it was. The infrastructure kind of looked like Fado. Um, it obviously doesn't have a beach or anything like that. It doesn't have water uh, access. Well, yeah, beach access, water activities, and stuff like that. Um, but just the infrastructure, it it architecture-wise, it was kind of laid out like Faru. Yeah, and probably like and that's the not climate. in a flattering way either. No, oh, is that what you <laughs> well, and the climate too, the warmth. I think probably yeah. also kind of that helped the way that it the sun hit the buildings maybe, yeah. and the way that the sun felt uh, gave it a lot more of like yeah, Faru down in the south. Algarve area. But now, now when I say Faro, I mean like Faro as a whole, not the old city of Faro or the old city of Pamplona, because both are very pretty. They're, they're both historic, um, and, and just really nice to take in. I mean, if we're talking about from a tourism perspective, I would say Pamplona is, is definitely worth it. Yeah, definitely. But we'll get to, would we expect that later on, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. We did pull up some uh, interesting immigration statistics that we wanted to share with you all because we actually said in our Bill Bow episode that we would tell you immigration stats. Yeah, in the first, first episode, I was wondering, we were talking about how the um, Spanish cities are just so much bigger than the Portuguese cities. So then I was just wondering if immigration was higher here yeah. and then also wondering uh, how many Americans are really moving to Spain because, you know, you hear a lot, apparently a lot in Portugal and apparently a lot in Spain, but let's let's see what the numbers say. Yeah, well, let's look at like on an individual basis of kind of who is here in Spain and we'll compare that to who's in Portugal. Okay. Yeah. Um, we'll start with Americans, right? Yeehaw! So it's interesting to find that in Portugal, the new statistics, this is the, the 2023 report that came out. Um, I'm assuming using the stats from 2022, uh, Seth published. It appears as if the U.S. or Americans are now the 19th most represented foreign population okay. in Portugal. So that's 19. gone up. So we're in the top 20 now. Yeah. We're, wasn't it before that, the year before? Was like 24. The 20, 24th, was it? Yeah. Okay. So I think we, so. We've crested the, the 20th. Okay. And we'll explain exactly what that means after, after I say this. Um, we are the 32nd most represented population in Spain. Ooh. Okay. Okay. Now, interestingly enough, there are over 50... 6,000 Americans living in Spain. 56,000, okay. 56,000. And and then according to the CEF immigration, yada, yada, um, we're still under 10,000. We're at 9,794 people, Americans, uh, living in Portugal, registered in Portugal. Okay, so, and is the population of Portugal still around 10 million? And then the population of Spain is? Yeah, what? I think the population of, of Portugal is 11 million. 11 million, okay. Yeah. And then Spain is? You're, you're hitting me with stats that I don't I have readily available. Spain is uh, yeah. in the yeah, 50 ten, something, right? So as of 2021, Portugal was at 10.33 million people. Okay. Okay. And then Spain is... 2021 is 47.42. Okay. So we're looking at like four and a half times as big. Right. Is that probably easier to say? 
but percentage-wise, uh, fairly similar, I guess you could what, say, with, right? With Americans and... Uh, yeah, yeah, compared Portugal and Spain, maybe a little, yeah, little more, less percentage in well, Spain. But well, the interesting enough. thing is, is that there's more Americans, um, even by percentage, more Americans living in Spain than Portugal. So we could say that it's more popular among Americans. However, by demographically, like if we look at just the immigration, there's, um, it's less popular for Americans than Portugal is compared to other nationalities. I think I muddled that up, but you know what I'm saying? Like, like we're 32nd ranked as opposed yeah. to 19th ranked. Yeah, I get what you're saying. But what other nationalities, I mean, we don't have to go way into this, but I, I would be curious to look and see what nationalities are higher in Spain and way off the radar of Portugal, you know? Well, I think the most interesting one for me is the number one pop, the number one demographic is Moroccan, just under, just under a million huh. Moroccans. I mean, it makes sense, you know, due to the proximity, we're very close to Morocco, but so is Portugal. And I don't think that Morocco is in the top 10 uh, living in Portugal. We've hit another toll. Hit toll. This one looks My to be a ticket, though. goodness. Oh, okay. It does look to be a ticket. Mm-hmm. Not that we're getting a fine, <laughs> but we just pick up a ticket, and then whenever we get off this road, then we, um, then we, then we have to pay. So, yes, it is spitting out a ticket. Out ticket. Not bad. And you want to head to Zaragoza. Zaragoza. No, Zaragoza. <laughs> Not Zaragoza. I, I, I did it with this. Zaragoza. There we go. That was yeah. better. Thanks. <laughs> Worldpost.io is powered by Anytime Mailbox, which means you can get your mail anytime, anywhere, even on your smartphone. And they really have competitive pricing with their lowest package starting at $5 per month. Here's a cool feature they have. World Post can relay things from the U.S. to Europe. So that includes documents. <laughs> Amazon purchases. Amazon the purchases. US. <laughs> and you can get it to Portugal. And they have a variety of packages. Some include secure shredding, free junk mail filters, and things like that. I bet you love that junk mail filter. Oh, lots of junk mail. I sign up for a lot of newsletters. <laughs> She's not joking. So if you're interested in worldpost.io, you can visit the website or check the link in the show notes below. Okay, let's talk about Lusitana Dreams because what they're offering is really great. Yeah, it definitely is. And Dallas actually has grown Lusitano Dreams since we first met him. So he's really getting his process dialed in. The thing that I like about it is it removes the barrier and and choke point of the proof of accommodation because that's been one of the biggest things that the D7 and the D8 for the like the long-term people have had problems with, right? Yeah, it's definitely something that is really hard to lock yourself into sight unseen. But here you can have a legitimate contract. You can rest assured that it's going to be a soft landing because you're coming into a furnished place in a good location and a livable location until you can kind of get your bearings and figure out where you really want to live. And the cool thing about it is that they can start your lease when you arrive. So you're not like burning a few months of, of cash essentially paying for an apartment or paying for a lease that you're not using. Yeah, that's one that's really hard to negotiate, trying to get a lease that starts when you want to arrive and not when you are actually applying. So the fact that they offer that as a service to where you're not, like you said, burning those months saves you a lot of money. Yep, Lusitano Dreams offers 
visa-friendly proof of accommodation. So that could be for the D7 visa or the D8 visa. And their properties include detached houses, apartments, room rentals as well in different locations like Lisbon, Cascais, Lule, and they're expanding too. So uh, soon to be Porto and quite possibly Silver Coast. Yeah, which is really exciting. So check out Lusitano Dreams for more information. We have a link in the show notes below. So I think earlier um, when mm-hmm. we were talking, I misspoke. I think I was saying that the percentage is lower in of Americans in Spain, but it actually the percentage is higher. No, it's higher. Yeah, it's sorry, because you said the population was forty something million, right? Yep. Okay. Forty seven. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And there and there's almost fifty seven thousand Americans. Yeah. That's okay. a lot. It is I a think. lot. Yeah, but it's a much bigger country too. It is. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So the not so surprising thing that you find in Spain is that a lot of the countries uh, that are represented, the nationalities that are represented are Spanish speaking, right? Oh yeah, no surprise there. And we'll see that it's heavily Portuguese speaking or former Portuguese colonies um, on the Portugal side. The British, British are the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, the seventh most represented nationality with 268, almost 269,000 people. That's in Spain. In Spain, yep. French would be ninth. Chinese is tenth. So that rounds out the top ten. Where, okay. um, where is the British and on the Portugal side? All right, let's look on that. British is number two. Number two at forty-five thousand. And then I assume number one is Brazilian, right? Brazilian, yeah, two hundred and forty thousand. Mm-hmm. Let's call it just rounding up. So two hundred forty thousand Brazilians um, at number one. And then the Brits—they're chasing the sun, the aren't Brits. they? That's it. Oh, man. Called them out. Yeah, so you do have a couple uh, Portuguese, former Portuguese colonies. And, you know, number four, India. India has connections um, with Portuguese, especially in Goa. Yeah. The the city region, Goa. Yeah, that might be a surprise to some people that India is so high on the list. But there are uh, ties, I guess, right? History there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Angola's in at number six. The the French are seven. Ukraine, eight. Nepal at nine, which I think is surprising. That is surprising, actually. Um, China's down at 12. So it's 10 in Spain and 12 in uh, Portugal. China is. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> enough okay. The, yeah, enough yeah, the stats. stats. Cool. Let's, let's chat a little bit about uh, what we're seeing and what we, what we just did. Yeah. So Pamplona has very good infrastructure. Um, we... You know, we didn't speak a whole lot of English around. I mean, we, we mainly tried to, to get by in Spanish, uh, and we got by with our Spanish. And I think any time I apologize for my poor English, uh, you're, not you're my poor, poor English, my poor, poor Spanish, Spanish um, they would say that their English was poor, and I would just be like, all right, let's do this in Spanish then. Yeah, it works. But they also use, do they use a little bit of Basque, or they have some they, sort of yeah, like, is yeah. it Basque, or is it a mix it's of Basque. something else? No, it's Basque. Okay, because so, we're in a different region right now that surprised me as well but yeah they they have a lot of um people that their first language their mother tongue is basque they consider it basque yeah so you saw that actually more i noticed like if we did a a menu online or something it would have basque and spanish uh not always english though so a lot less english here for sure i think yeah euskara i think is is how to say that 
Yeah. You can take my word for it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to try. Up over there. Well, I saw the word, but uh, I don't know how to say it, so I'm it's not even going to try. It's a configuration of letters. Yeah, I agree. It, it definitely looks like a foreign well, it word. It has a K in there, doesn't there? And yeah. that's. Euskata. Yeah, that's uh, not, not common. Kata. Euskata. Euskata. Yeah. Kata. I don't know. Anyway. Potato, potato. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, I can't say that there's like a ton of British influence. This is the funny thing I find about. Spain is that for the most part anytime you see like a, a British pub English pub Irish pub whatever it is it it always seems to be like almost done yeah. it seems to be like it's a little Spanishized I don't right. know yeah definitely. you feel that well I don't think it was in Pamplona but maybe uh, a couple of days ago somewhere else we were in one and they didn't even have TVs and we're like what <laughs> Well, that, <laughs> that was like not, that is not an Irish pub. <laughs> yeah, we saw we saw one uh, just yesterday, and it didn't have TVs. Like normally, when you think, at least I think, when I when I think of English or Irish pubs abroad, um, you're talking about showing live sports. Yeah, now, abroad granted, for sure. No, granted, you you can go into some English uh, pubs and not have TVs, and it's just you know like the local, the local spot where people have a drink and tavern meal whatever pub pub food right so maybe that's where they're getting it from but more like that more like that that makes sense i guess it does yeah it's just uh, hard when you're trying to watch sports when you're trying <laughs> to watch sports when you're trying to watch the football i'm trying to walk this back now i'm starting to re reconsider <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe the tv part <laughs> is more right. of a, adapting to the uh abroad culture yeah well i think that many people will go to an Irish pub or an English pub while abroad, whatever nationality they are, but usually British, um, to go, you know, catch some EPL or, or rugby or cricket, whatever. All right, it's we on. probably lost some people who are interested in no, that. That's, no, I mean, <laughs> where I, I are we going it, with that? No, I think it's, it's an important thing to note when you're, when you're traveling, whether it's in Spain or even Portugal, that these are the places that you're kind of looking out for if you if you want to watch a, a match or I don't know, even catch a, a cultural event, right? Yeah. Cultural sports, obviously. You don't know where you're going where, with that? Where were you going with that? That yeah. just went there. Okay. Okay. And... So so back to Pamplona. I think that the 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 bus system was quite good. Yeah. Like we had an easy time navigating the bus. We decided to just park the car. And well, I guess we should mention that parking's a nightmare. We have found parking to be an absolute nightmare wherever we've been, whether it's been Bilbao, uh, Logroño or Pamplona, it's been tricky. You, you have a hard time knowing like, okay, is, is this paying? When do I pay? How do I pay? Oh, I can only park here for an hour, regardless of what I'm paying. All that's very confusing. Yeah, and just finding spots too. It's weird. It just you look around and you think it looks like there's a lot of parking, but I guess there's just so many cars that there needs to be more parking. I don't know. So we decided to yeah, just park in a free parking spot and then take the bus around, which so, was good. Yeah, I mean, for me, three cities down, and I've already deduced that having a car is expensive. Like the all of the costs to consider with having a car is expensive. Now traveling by car albeit super convenient um it's it's got to be way way more than if we costed this out doing the bus or train 
Yeah. Um, I guess some of the places we're going to though are a little a little more obscure than right than. No, the if buses we doing, would go to every place. That yeah, we're, yeah, the bus system that that is really good, but. Yeah, I guess then you're at the mercy of that and getting buses are very bus slow. And Sometimes slow, they're not yeah. direct, so you're like popping into smaller towns. So you can turn a an hour and forty five minute drive, which is what we're doing now, into like a three hour journey. Yeah, that's true. So the car is convenient for sure, but at a cost. I would say though that driving has been really easy. I mean, we haven't been just on toll roads, but obviously the toll roads are you know very clear. Um, but driving's been super standard, super easy, not very busy, and it's been really pretty. A lot of greenery, I guess. Sia has noted the, uh, they have a lot of windmills, windmills the, uh, with the energy windmills, I guess. That's so. one thing that Spain's really big in, is, is renewable energy. Oh, they, are they? They have, yeah, they've, they've got windmills and solar farms. Yeah, we've seen a lot of that. Yeah. So Sia's liked that on the, on the drive, and she's uh, conked out right now. Which is why we're able to do this with ease. <laughs> yeah. Without too much noise in the back seat. So anything else you want to add about like things that you notice living in uh, or potentially living in Pamplona before we get to the would you expect that? They had a little bit of like a tapas pincho scene. It wasn't the same. Um, but there were certain streets that you should go down. The streets were bigger though. Not, not so um, narrow for that stuff. They had a lot of bars and restaurants, which was good. Uh, I did notice oh, in the old town, although it felt like it was pedestrian only, cars would still go yes. down some of these smaller streets. Yes. Um, so that was always tough because if you're sitting at like a cafe or restaurant on the outside, then it's possible that a car could go like right by you. Whip around. Yeah. Generally, they weren't going too fast, but like. So if it's not a bull, it's a car that you got to dodge. The <laughs> yeah, yeah. Depending on what time of year it is, is a bull or a car. Um, I think it would be really interesting to to see the running of the bulls there. Yeah, for sure. I bet it gets so packed oh, though, because it's just so well known. Yeah. And you know, obviously, when you get into smaller quarters, it's just so packed. So I don't know how well you could actually watch it unless you were staying at a place that was like a couple stories up that you could see it from your window yeah. that would probably be the ideal thing because you could see a lot but then also too i'm guessing that one um park area like the citadel kind of thing by the bus yes. stop that yes. it's wide uh, open yeah it's wide open and actually when you look at it from like like on a map from above it looks really cool because it's in the shape of a star mm-hmm. when you're there you kind of think this seems like a lot of like wide open space that's doesn't have any you know cover from sun or rain mm-hmm. um but I think they probably use that as well for festivities. It seems like a really open ground that you could do a lot of uh, festivals and stuff there. I don't know if they do, but it, it's set up like for that. Like pop up a stage and yeah, yeah uh-huh. have people out and in the, the field. different like um, you know beer fest or something. I'm just throwing that one out <laughs> there. But like little pop up stands, you know, that you could do. Uh, it's definitely I don't know if they do that. I didn't look into it, but it, it's set up to do that. So if they did, then that that would be a cool scene. Yeah. But I think too, like the old town is nice. Um, things to do. I do think I like the old town of Legroño better. Agreed. Um, and you wouldn't want to, I don't think you'd want to live in the old town though, right? I mean, it, it does get pretty busy. Oh, another thing I did notice too is uh, a lot of people doing the Camino through there. So that was really strong. People on bikes as well. Um, yeah. And I did see some symbols for like the, the Camino symbol with, um, with a bike. So a route for bikes, but it seemed like that was pretty strong there. 
what did you think? Did you notice that a lot of a lot of backpackers? Oh, for sure. Walk? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's one of the major stops, and it makes sense. Um, you know, the the interesting thing for me that I wanted to bring up, just you know, in terms of livability, is the population size difference between Logroño and Pamplona. So Logroño is about half the population. Oh, size. is it? Did you oh, feel that? Um, no, I don't think I felt that. Not really, right? That's actually surprising to me, yeah. Right. All right. So, I mean, it felt in terms of population density like it was about the same. Yeah. Um, Where would you compare as far as like population density? What, what city in Portugal would you compare it to? Like Could what you? it felt like? Yeah. Like walking around I mean, the whole town. I mean, statistically, I don't know, but. Yeah, but, but what uh, it felt like. Yeah, I don't know. If, it just kind of felt like any of the the old cities in in Portugal, no? In terms of population density in the old yeah, city. in like, the old city, yeah. Like we did notice as we were driving around both in Logroño and in Pamplona that the, the buildings were just taller. So, I mean, you've, you've got more people living in a, in a closer area. Like taller by several floors than what's more common in Portugal. Yeah. I think, I mean, you could have a bit of a comparison to like the pest, to the pedestrian only spot in Faru. Sure. And then like the old town, there's a little bit of comparison in the field there for people sure. walking around, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't disagree with that. I just think scale wise, the one in Faru is much smaller. Yeah. Like the, the old city uh, is much, much smaller. Yeah. It's definitely smaller. And obviously too, like weather wise, I mean, Faru being further south. Uh, you know, we're here in the summer, so we get that feel, but I'm sure in the winter it's very, very different. <laughs> we are crossing over into Comunidad de Aragon. So another Zaragoza. Another province. <laughs> the capital is Zaragoza. Very good. Okay. So yeah, so size wise, uh Pamplona is uh three hundred and fifty five thousand people. Um so bigger than what you would find in in Portugal really um yeah Port Portugal's list of cities drops off after you after you get past Porto and or Lisbon and Porto you know yeah that's still something that surprises me that's where Spain is is quite different the these what you would say smaller cities mm -hmm. uh, are still big cities compared to what a smaller city would be in Portugal yeah I mean, well, really, population-wise, if you wanna, if you wanna separate, um, if you wanna separate Villanova de Gaia and Porto, yeah. then then you're talking about Gaia is actually population-wise larger than Porto. Do you know that? Uh, it doesn't surprise me. Gaia is quite big, actually. Yeah, Gaia's land area is, is much bigger than Porto's as well. But mm -hmm. but in general, like the Porto metro area, you're combining uh, Gaia. And and Matsinhos as well with Porto. So you're talking about a large area. Um, yeah, even though they're technically different municipalities. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So yeah, I mean, three hundred thousand people puts puts Pamplona right up there in the top five of Portugal. That's pretty crazy. Think That's about that. yeah. It didn't feel like that busy. Nope. Uh, which is a good thing, I guess. Right. So it's more spread out maybe i mean infrastructure wise and amenities wise it has an el corte in place <laughs> yeah it has it all and it does have modern as well i did notice some modern uh, apartment buildings and such um that looked really nice so quite but a the, good mix but the question is would you expat that <laughs> so much at that time yeah. um i would say no i would not expat pamplona it's a good visit 
um, especially if you want to do something cultural and do the running of the bulls. But um, I would not expat Pamplona. I don't know. The feel of it was was okay for a visit, but it just wasn't feeling it for living. What do you think? I would say definitely no. Oh, definitely no. Definitely no. Ooh, burn uh, on Pamplona. Why no, is that? It's not a burn. It's just <laughs> it, it's just boring. Like, uh, you know, as much as we're trying to to like say things about it and say facts, uh, now we're getting into the opinion, the real opinion of it, and uh, it's just boring. And I think that they have a couple of interesting things going on culinarily, mainly with beverages, because I do love pacharan, which is um, which is a liqueur, a digestif, uh, that is berry flavored. Is that from Pamplona or from this region? From the region. From the region. But I mean, this is, this is the capital of the region. Yeah. So, All right. So they do have that going for and them. And they have Cava. Cava is famous in Nevada. Yeah. Uh, the wine was good. I had the wine, the wine from the region. Good. I mean, yeah. and you know, we're driving around and we see, see the vineyards. So yeah. The drinks were good. That's true. But, of course, you can get the those drink drinks. Scene. Yeah, you can get it across Spain. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, you could have those drinks, but live somewhere more interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Any parting words as we pull into the next town? Zaragoza. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People are going to be like, stop it. Um, no, no. I mean, I think that Pamplona is a good visit good visit for sure and uh, it was nice to see it because it, it was always on the list even when we lived in Madrid because yep. of its being famous for the for its festival or the running of the bulls um, so it was nice to see you could definitely see how like when you wind through the streets it would be a lot of fun with what dodging bulls crowded crowded people and stuff um, you know so the pictures now the pictures really come to life when you look at that so if you don't for know sure. what we're talking about then go and watch like you know some videos and see some pictures of this and um, like a YouTube it, fails uh, no, not fails. Oh gosh, <laughs> but see, see how that uh, how that is, because that that'll kind of show you what we're talking about. But no, it was good. Ready for the next place because uh, it's bigger, right? Zaragoza yeah, is bigger. yeah. I was gonna mention that. So Zaragoza is much bigger. It's uh, over six hundred thousand people. So we're we're making quite a big jump, actually. Top five population wise uh, city in Spain. So big big jump. Yep, and we'll be doing a city guide on that one for Expats Everywhere Explorers, so to show you guys a bit more of it. But, nope, I think on to the next one. On to the next one. Let's get moving. Bye. Bye. So, listener, we know that you are preparing to move to Portugal. We did everything ourselves for the D7 visa. So we have a DIY D7 course. We also have a DIY remote worker course now since they've split those up. And if you're already here, we have a living in Portugal course for you. Now, the difference between the D7 and the D8 or the digital nomad visa course that you could get is if you have active income, you should be getting the digital nomad or D8 course. If you have passive income, you should be getting the D7 course. And we have a special promotion for anybody that is a listener of this podcast. If you type in podcast at checkout, you will get $15 off. So these will just guide you through exactly what you need. They stay up to date as things change. And once you purchase it, it's yours for life. So if you're not ready to go now, you can still get it and take a look and you can use it later on. And Kaylee is a mad lady and she is always updating the course so that it doesn't fall out of date.
Well, I have to because they're always changing things and so it has to stay up to date. That's facts. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Let's Move to Portugal. Contact info for all the services mentioned are in the show notes. If you like the show, please subscribe. If you love the show, please tell a friend, connect with us on our socials, and if you want to help us out, give us a review on your podcast player. Expats Everywhere Presents Let's Move to Portugal is produced by Time or Money Productions. Expats Everywhere researches our guests, and we do our best to provide factual and relevant information at the time of the recording. Despite our best efforts, we can make no guarantees as to the accuracy of what you've heard in this episode. We highly recommend that you do your own research and check your own facts. 